Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for listening today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God, begin with in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Verses 1 through 33, all of Ephesians chapter 5. 
Father, we thank you once again for the privilege, the honor, the blessing, the gift it is for us to be able to come to you in prayer each and every day. And thank you, Lord, for just the truth that you always have a listening ear for the prayers of your children. Thank you for the opportunity to live a life of prayer. Father, anoint us all afresh with the spirit of prayer. Empower us to be the praying church more and more that you would have us to be. Thank you for the opportunity to hear your counsel, your wisdom, your grace, to hear from heaven every single day as we simply open your word and spend time one-on-one with you in your word. Father, anoint every family, every home listening, Lord. Help us to grow much today in our understanding of what it means to live out Christ in our homes and to live lives as Christian families within a Christian home. We thank you and we praise you for your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Rick Roberts, and Rick is going to lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we come today to glorify your name, to put the spotlight on you. You are the great attraction in life, Father. We want to feel that more and more. We want to live it out. We're so self-centered. We we get caught up in our own lives and our own problems. But, Father, we come today to magnify you, to exalt your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rick. Thank you again for being a part of our listening family. Once again, my, a reminder, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We continue to remind and encourage you. We like to share our discipleship resources with you, our prayer tools, other resources and materials that will help strengthen you in your daily walk with the Lord and to help strengthen you in the discipling of your family. And also, these are also tools you can use to do the work of evangelism and discipleship as you share and use these as you minister to others as well, forwarding them online or making hard copies as well. So please let us know if you'd like to get some of these uh, materials and resources. We're glad to share them with you. Again, simply email me at joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Psalm 119, verse 105 tells us, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Uh, an ongoing truth that I, I believe we're so wise to recognize is that God's word really is the answer to all the ills of life. God's word is medicine, it's wisdom, it's grace, it's all that and so much more. So today, as we specifically look at, at this topic, building a genuinely Christian home, I want to remind you that As a believer, whether you're a single man or a woman or someone who maybe looks forward to marrying, or if you're a husband or wife, a dad or mom, insight, and there's much insight and wisdom that God wants to give us to equip us to honor him in our homes, within our families. So again, so as we look at this topic, building a genuinely Christian home, it really is wise for all of us to listen to God's counsel as shared from his word. So looking once again in Ephesians now, I read uh, all of Ephesians chapter 5 a few moments ago. I'm going to read a portion of it once again, picking up at verse 15. But note here, God has some very specific counsel and wisdom for us as Christian, again, husbands and wives and dads and moms. But to every parent listening, one of the very important truths I want you to be listening for and about is These are truths that not only do we need to learn and live, but they're truths that we need to wisely teach and train our children in as well. Insights that our children need to learn as they look forward to one day having a Christian home as well. So picking up again, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. 
See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So again, as we look today at the topic, building a genuinely Christian home, we're encouraging, wanting to share words of wisdom and encouragement to every husband and wife listening, also words of wisdom and encouragement to every man and woman who hopes one day to be married and to have a home of their own, but again, I want to emphasize parents especially. Many of these are truths and insights that we need to passionately be teaching, training, and guiding our children in because our children need so much help. We live in a world full of deception, a world that's trying to pull our children in so many wrong directions, a world that's trying to indoctrinate our children with truths and insights just rooted in darkness. So there's nothing parents that our children need more than the precious and powerful word of God, the counsel of God's word, the power found in God's word, the grace that's found in God's word. And so as we look at this topic, building a genuinely Christian home, especially parents, we encourage you to take note of the insights we'll be sharing today. Now, amongst other things, parents, one very important truth is, and to every believer listening as well, a very important goal for us as Christians, as we're looking forward to marriage or within marriage, is that uh, husbands and wives and dads and moms, we're to seek to be spiritual leaders, and we're to seek to teach and train our children to be spiritual leaders. Now, you might think, well, what if I don't want to be a leader? Well, remember, when you're in the, in the family, in the very real sense, obviously, clearly dad and mom are major leaders within the home. Like it or not, you're to provide leadership for the children but also leadership and encouragement, husbands and wives, for one another. The fact is, husbands and wives, yes, we're to be discipling one another. We're to be praying for our spouses. We're to be encouraging our spouses. We're to be guiding and training. You know, there's sometimes truths or insights that the husband may learn that, yes, without question, he should teach and encourage his wife 
there may be truths the wife may learn that she can teach and encourage and share with her husband as well. So yes, a lot of discipleship should happen between every husband and wife. And we're never to assume, well, uh, one can teach the other, but the other can't teach their spouse. Well, no, husbands and wives can teach and encourage each other in many, many ways. And remember, discipleship should happen from every family member to every other family member, actually. So keep in mind, the main, the first person you and I are to disciple is ourselves. You know, we need to start to help ourselves begin to grow in our walk with the Lord. Uh, of course, I often try to mention specifically, you could say the three basic building blocks of the Christian life can be summed up in the three letters of the word pro, P-R-O, P referring to our prayer life. Every believer is called to have a vibrant prayer life. And that's an important part of being a spiritual leader. We're called to be people given to prayer. R refers to reading and studying the Word of God. Every believer is called to be a diligent student of Scripture. The reading of God's Word should be a daily part of our life and our lifestyle. And O refers to obedience. We're to live what we learn. We don't learn truth just to say we learned it. We're to learn it in order to apply it. Truth is always meant to be applied. It's never simply an insight to know, but not to do nothing with. It's always meant to be applied. So all of us as believers, we're to start by discipling ourselves. And then husbands and wives, we disciple and encourage one another, our spouses, in our walk with the Lord. And of course, obviously, as children are coming along in the family relationship, it's very important that we're discipling our children. Now, of course, keep in mind, parents, One of our critically important jobs is we're to pray for our children long before they ever get here. And we're to pray for them when they're in the womb, obviously. But also we pray for them when they, once they're born, and we're to be role models of prayer before our children. There's a lot our children can and should learn from us simply by hearing and observing us as parents in our prayer lives. Father, anoint all of us as parents to be wise enough to be good role models in our prayer lives before our children. Help us to learn, help us to walk in such a way that they'll learn much about prayer as they simply observe us and walk behind us as well. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. We're looking today at the topic, building a genuinely Christian home. We'll be right back. Toby Mac with It's You. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We're looking today at the topic, Building a Genuinely Christian Home. And we're looking at 
the wisdom, counsel, and instruction God gives us in the building of our Christian homes and the Christian family as well. You know, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 127 specifically, it has wisdom and encouragement for us all to learn from. Psalm 127, starting at verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, they, la they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Verses 1 through 5, all of Psalm 127. And so again, today we're looking at the topic, building a genuinely Christian home. We've already, already mentioned number uh, a very foundational truth. Number one, we're to be spiritual leaders as husbands and wives, and we're to teach our children to be spiritual leaders. Secondly, we're to teach our boys to be good providers. Now, let me be very clear about this. We're to teach our sons and our daughters to work and to work hard. It's important, too, that, you know, it does not glorify the Lord to be a lazy person, a male or a female at all. But God does give the prim primary responsibility of providing for the family to the man. And so it's important that uh, men are taught to work and work hard. One of the saddest things in the world is a lazy man, a man that won't work, won't take care of his family, won't take care of his responsibilities. Uh, the Word of God tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 5, it says, verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So parents, we're to teach our sons and our daughters to work and to work hard. But in particular, we're to teach and train our boys that they're to be good uh, providers for their families and for their homes. Real men work and work hard. They're not afraid to work hard. They're not afraid to get their hands dirty when necessary to work and provide for their families. In fact, we're to sacrificially work hard for our families. It's tragic when you have young men that seem to be looking for ways to get out of work and seem to even run from it. Sometimes some young men nowadays seem to be allergic to work. They just don't want to work and work hard. Real men will work and work hard. So parents, we're to teach our sons to be good providers. But as I said, we're to teach our sons and our daughters to be hard workers. Proverbs chapter 31 talks about a woman who is a strong, godly wife. And as you read that psalm, you uh, that proverb, Proverbs 31, you find that wife is a very hardworking individual, providing and seeing after the needs of her family and her household as she serves the Lord. So yes, parents, we're to teach all of our children, our sons and daughters, to work and to work hard. But as I mentioned, it's primarily the responsibility of the man to be the provider. Now, of course, obviously in a single-parent home, uh, the mom, it's her responsibility to provide for her family. But the reality is it's important to know God's plan, his basic foundational plan for the family is that the husband would be the primary provider for the home. A third important truth to look at, too, truth for us to live, as well as one for us to teach our children as Christian parents, we're to teach our sons to be protectors. Men are to, a part of our responsibility as men is to look out for and protect women and children. 
Sadly, we live in a world where, sadly, you have too many men that take advantage of, rather than protecting, take advantage of. Now, parents, let me say this very clearly. God's Word tells us as one of the Ten Commandments. It says, you shall not commit adultery. And part of what that means is it's important to know, parents, we're to teach our children that sex is to be between a married husband and wife and nowhere else. Sex is not to happen. It's not to happen between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. It's not to happen between casual friends. It's obviously not supposed to happen between two men or two women. It's strictly a gift and a blessing to happen within the context of the home between a Christian husband and wife. And so parents, we're to teach our children that. God's Word tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all. In the marriage bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. We live in a world where sadly so many people are, are involved sexually in ways that clearly are against the word and the will of God. But parents, we're to live this before, we're to live this, and we're to teach our children that again, that sex is to happen between a married husband and wife, and that our children are to keep themselves sexually pure up until the time of marriage. So, uh, one of the ways that sadly we live in a world where too many individuals become predators as you have men and sometimes women that will take advantage of others sexually because they can, because they have the opportunity. And so that puts them in the category of a being a predator. Whereas parents were to teach our boys to be protectors of men and women. Also, it's important parents for us to teach our boys, don't hit girls, don't beat up on girls. Again, sadly, in our society, it's not hard to find young men that when they get angry at maybe a girlfriend or even a female will sometimes beat her up like she's another boy. Well, the fact is people shouldn't be fighting anyway. But we're to teach our boys that you don't hit girls. You, you don't beat up on girls. You protect them and look out for them. Real men will protect women. Wimps beat up on girls. Real men do not do that. So it's our responsibility to teach our boys that truth. Now, keep in mind, as we were looking in Ephesians chapter 5, an important truth principle for us to draw on. Looking once again at Ephesians 5, picking up at verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So again, a very important principle to be drawn here, reading verse uh, 28 again. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. When, when you accidentally bite your tongue, you don't slap yourself, you don't kick yourself, you don't beat up on yourself. Well, husbands, we're to protect our wives and look out for them. There's never a place for physical abuse in a home. And so it's important to know men, we're called to be protectors of women and children, not predators, not abusive individuals, but protectors. And parents, we need to teach our boys this as well as be role models for them. Men, we're to be good role models before our boys living that kind of lifestyle. So we are to teach our boys to be protectors as well. And then, of course, parents were to be role models before our children. 
We're to live in such a way that our children can walk and follow in our footsteps where now the fact is none of us are perfect, but we're to live in such a way that basically our children can learn how a Christian cares themselves as they observe the life and the lifestyle of us as parents. Uh, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. We're to imitate God, and parents, we're to carry ourselves in such a way that our children can basically imitate us as we follow the Lord. Now, obviously, we don't want them to imitate us when we do wrong things. That's that's a given. But we're to live in such a way that we walk so that children will can observe dad and mom and learn what it means to be a Christian in life and lifestyle. Parents, our children are watching us all the time. They're listening and they're learning from us, like it or not. And so it's important that we're walking in such a way that we want to honor the Lord as good role models before our children. I'm reminded of the story of a, a mom, she got on a train one day with her six-year-old son, and she told her son up front, she said, son, if anyone asks you how old you are, tell them you're five years old. Well, of course, five and younger was free, and if they were six and older, they had to pay. Well, you know, sadly, sometimes people think, well, it's okay to tell a little lie to save money. Well, the fact is, parents, it's not okay. Because if you teach, if parents teach their children to lie when they're young, they'll grow up and lie to daddy and mama as well as can grow up to be liars. It's important that we are good role models. Well, she told her six-year-old son, son, if anyone asks you, tell them you're five years old. Well, the train got going and uh, the conductor walked down the aisle and saw the young man and asked him, son, how old are you? Her six-year-old son looked up and smiled real big and said, I'm five years old. And he said, my, you're a big boy to be five years old. How long before you'll be six? And he said, soon as I get off this train. Well, the fact is, all his life, he'll remember, mama told me to lie and we got caught. It's important, parents, that we teach our children to tell the truth. We're to be good role models. We're to teach and train them to tell the truth, to be truthful. Because again, as we teach them to be truthful, honesty really is the best policy in every area of life. Teaching them to be truthful will bless them and help them for the rest of their lives. So parents, let's be good role models before our children, dads and moms. We're to never teach our children it's okay to lie or be dishonest in this situation or that situation. We're to be good role models before our children. And so time and time again, parents, it's important that we know that we're to live this life as Christian husbands and wives, and we're to teach and train our children as well. You know, on a pretty regular basis here on the broadcast, you may recall that we're often encouraging us uh, as believers and as parents to teach and train our children to read the Word each and every day. You know, I'm not able to overemphasize how important the the family uh, spiritual discipline of parents having their children read the Word of God out loud to them every day is. Again, I can't overemphasize how important that is because the fact is the chief spiritual weapon in all of life is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. God's Word is the most powerful weapon in the universe, and we're to become highly skillful at it, but also parents, we're to teach and train our children to become diligent students of Scripture, to not only read and meditate on Scripture, but to learn to put it to work as the sword that it is. So as we're looking today at the topic of being a genuinely Christian home, Every parent is wise to understand that a very important part of what we're teaching and training our children to do is to become spiritual warriors, literally. 
and for people that are uncomfortable with the idea of um, military terminology or battles terminology, well, Scripture uses that. Note very specifically in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about putting on the full armor of God. And, of course, this Scripture is directed to us as adult uh, men and women, adult husbands and wives, adult dads and moms. But that passage is also directed to children. So in Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 1 to 4, then verses 10 to 20. But note here, it deals heavily with spiritual warfare. Again, Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Then skipping down to Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak." Again, verses 1 through one through 4, and then verses 10 to 20, Ephesians chapter 6. Yes, it's critical that we as believers approach our lives as spiritual warriors, but also parents. It's important for us to teach and train our children to be warriors as well. Because as the scripture points out, again, obviously, Satan and his cohorts, they're their goal is to come against and to bring destruction into our lives. And so we're wise to be well-equipped warriors who know how to deal with the enemy and not just how to deal with them, but how to overcome the enemy as well. Father, thank you, Lord, for the spiritual weapon you've made available to us as believers. And thank you for the spiritual weaponry, Lord, that you've taught us to not only use ourselves, but you've also taught us to give to and teach and train our children how to use as well. Help us to be wise enough to teach and train our children to become prayer warriors, to become word warriors, to become obedience warriors in your kingdom as well. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're looking today at the topic, Building a Genuinely Christian Home. We'll be right back. So 
of Rich Mullins with Sometimes by Step. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We're looking today at the topic, Building a Genuinely Christian Home. And once again, I want to emphasize that we can't overemphasize how important it is that the Word of God be a vital part of the life and the lifestyle of every Christian home. We're to read and study the Word of God individually, but also parents, we're to take time to read the Word of God as husbands and wives together, but also we're to teach and train our children to read God's Word. And I think we're very wise to have the children literally to read the Word of God out loud to each of us, to, to us as parents every single day because that's one great way to know that, in fact, they did their Bible reading. It's very common that Christian parents will sometimes say, Johnny, Debbie, Elaine, go read your Bible. Go, go to your room and read your Bible. And he or she may go read their Bible, and they may go play a video game or go take a nap. And then when the parent asks, did you do your Bible reading? Yes, ma'am, I did. Yes, sir. Well, as much as you like to think, well, my child wouldn't lie to me. Well, I'm, I'm grateful that you believe that, and I hope it's true. But the fact is sometimes children aren't as truthful as they need to be. So parents, when you have them read out loud to you, you know that they've done their reading. The eternal Word of God has been planted in their hearts and lives one more day as they read the Word of God out loud to you. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 7, I want to take time to read the passage. It's a powerful passage addressing an, an important area of life that as parents we're to teach our children. Specifically, God's Word has great insight and wisdom to teach uh, us and for, to, for us to take and teach our children about insights about relationships and sexuality. This is Proverbs 7, starting at verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice, and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot, 
and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know that it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to Listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let her heart turn aside. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Verses 1 through 27, all of Proverbs chapter 7. Now, reading that passage, someone listening to it, if they didn't know it was in Scripture, they might think, Where, what, what are you reading? Where does that come from? Yes, it's in Scripture. Now, why would God put a passage of Scripture that graphically describes that scene as it does? Well, one reason is because God, because God loves us so much, He wants us to be aware that we live in a world, as we alluded to earlier, full of predators. Sometimes the predators come in the form of uh, sexually immoral men, and sometimes they come in the form of sexually immoral women. Parents, we need to be wise enough to both carry ourselves wisely, and we need to be wise enough to prepare our sons and daughters to know that, yes, sons, tell our sons that there are women out there that are predators, that are leaking, seeking to lead them into sexual sin. We need to teach our daughters that there are boys out there that are sexual predators that are seeking to lead them into sin as well. It's important that we teach our children their goal is to honor the Lord in the way they carry themselves and the way they take care of their bodies, and they're to keep themselves sexually pure until uh, marriage. I want to share with you a powerful story simply called Lexi's story, and it shares the testimonial of a young lady and the, her own journey. Again, here's Lexi's story. Lexi was 16 years old and a junior in high school when she met Adam. Lexi lived at home with her parents and had an older sister who was in college. She was a Christian, had been raised in church, and tried to live a good life. She was one of those pretty girls who didn't know she was pretty. She had never had a real boyfriend before she, before, and was flattered when this young man, Adam, started talking to her. Adam was 18, a senior in high school, and on the football team. His family went to church on Easter and Christmas, but he had never made a commitment to Christ. He was smart and very good-looking, very handsome. Lexi was surprised when Adam started talking to her. She didn't consider herself his type. She didn't consider herself pretty enough to, or popular enough for Adam, but she really enjoyed the attention that Adam gave her. When Adam asked Lexi to go to a basketball game with her, she quickly said yes. She was a little irritated 
when her parents insisted on meeting him before the game, but she guessed she could understand. They didn't know his family, and it was her first real date. She had a great time with Adam that night. He was funny, easy to talk to, and very handsome. She still couldn't quite believe that Adam liked her. They continued to date, and her parents allowed her to go out once a week with a strict curfew at 11. Sometimes when she and Adam were together, he would say things that made her feel a little uncomfortable in one way, but made her feel pretty in another way. He would tell her how beautiful she was or how attractive she was, and it greatly flattered her. One day, Adam was frustrated because he was having problems in one of his algebra classes. Math had always been easy for Lexi, so she offered to help him. They decided to study for a couple of hours after school once a week. Even though Lexi knew her parents would never approve, she allowed Adam to come over after school to study. Her parents were were at work, and he'd be gone by the time they got home. As long as she worked on her homework and had dinner started by the time her parents came home, her mom would never know. The first couple of times that Adam came over, they did just what they said. They studied. Just sitting beside him at the kitchen table made her heart beat faster. On the third afternoon that Adam came over, Adam was different. He started kissing her. They never opened a book to study. He came over the next afternoon, and they immediately started to get physical. Before she knew what had happened, Lexi had done something she never thought she would do. She didn't plan to have sex with Adam. It just happened. She felt awful, but she knew she really loved him, so she justified that it was okay. They continued a sexual relationship even though she knew it was wrong. Adam was just so hard to say no to. Besides the guilt she was feeling, she started worrying that her parents would find out that Adam was coming over in the afternoons, so she told him he'd have to stop coming over. He didn't like it, but he did. About that time, Lexi had an an overnight party with some of her friends. They stayed up late and planned to sleep sleep late the next day. But she woke up suddenly feeling horribly sick, and she hurried to the restroom and got very sick. Her friend's mom heard her and and got up to help and wondered if she'd eaten something that night before that made her sick. But Lexi continued to get sick in the morning after a few days. She finally told her friend Anna that she was afraid that she might be pregnant. Anna was shocked but encouraged her to go to the local pregnancy center for a pregnancy test. She went there, and yes, in fact, she found out she, Lexi, was was pregnant. Telling her dad and mom was very hard. Her dad cried, and it broke Lexi's heart. Over the next several days, she and her mom fought a lot. Everything was so stressed. She practiced how she'd tell Adam. She wanted Adam to tell her that they'd get through this together. When she told him, he didn't say anything at first. He was just silent. Then Adam said, what are you going to do? No hugs, no support, no words like, "We'll we'll get through this together. He told her he was sure her parents would pay for an abortion. Lexi was shocked. An abortion? She started feeling very, very panicky. The next weekend, she and her parents met with Adam's parents to discuss the matter. It was awful. It was almost like Lexi was the bad girl and that she had, that she had done wrong and Adam hadn't done anything. Her parents even asked how they could be sure it was Adam's baby. Lexi was stunned. She'd never had sex with anyone but Adam. And the look on Adam's face seemed to be saying the same thing his parents were saying as well. The next weekend, after many sleepless nights, 
Lexi and her friend Anna drove out of state to an abortion clinic. She didn't believe in abortion, but she was desperate. She decided she would tell her family and Adam's family that she'd had a miscarriage. They drove all the way to another state and went into an abortion clinic. Lexi laid on the table and she whispered a prayer, Father, please forgive me. Then suddenly a thought flashed through her mind, words she'd memorized in Sunday school many years ago. Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. At that moment, Lexi stopped crying. She sat up straight, got off the table. The nurse said, wait, what are you doing? But Lexi didn't wait. She walked into the room, put on her clothes, and she and Anna left. And they decided that somehow or another, with God's help, they would get through this. In June, Lexi gave birth to a seven-pound baby boy. She named him Dylan. Her parents were there for the birth, and so was Anna. Adam was nowhere to be found. But Anna decided with God's help and God's grace, and with the help of her family and her church family, she would get through this. She loved her precious little boy, Dylan. Well, an interesting story, a powerful story, but a story that illustrates circumstances that happen over and over again in our society, how important it is that we as parents teach our children truths from the Word of God about relationships and sexuality and teach them that God's way is the best way to do any and everything. Well, our time is just about gone. Before we end as we normally do, if you are listening today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Today is a great day, a wonderful day to be saved. If you'd like to make that step and commit your heart and your life to the Lord, would you simply pray this prayer with us even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many ways. I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Make me the person that you want me to be. In your word you told us, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we very much want to be in touch with you. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We want to share with you some literature and resources. They're going to help you begin to grow and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord. Once again, that email, joseph at afr.net. Thanks again for listening. We were looking today at the topic, building a genuinely Christian home. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.